Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. Am I being heard, first of all? I can hear you just fine. Good. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for a much less detailed podcast. Here with you live on a Saturday night, February the 3rd, 2018. I'm Dre. He's Jay. We are in the house and ready to break down Super Bowl 52, even though it may be the Super Bowl least watched in in many years just judging by how many people are sick and tired of seeing the patriots but they're here again back for your viewing pleasure and we are going to have an hour live to break down anything and everything about the super bowl although i i get the feeling jay we're gonna have to do like a whole lot of filling even more than normal because I don't know if there's really much to break down. There's no like Super Bowl week controversies to get into. There's no dog callers at the press conferences. There's the game itself is kind of cut and dried. We pretty much already described to determine what we think is pretty much going to happen at the Super Bowl. So uh, that was that's 58 minutes to go so far. How am I doing? Great. Can you think of a Super Bowl matchup? It, I mean, since we've been doing the podcast for sure, and then since we've been doing the blog, even, that has been this unexciting. This is pretty dull. I mean, it's so so here's where I'm at. Um, I haven't watched anything NFL-related in the last two weeks. I've, I've, I've sort of just completely detoxed from the NFL – uh, it got so bad that I think my wife is more excited for the Super Bowl than I am. Because <laughs> there's been a couple she of times like, over the last oh, – well, she's referenced a couple of times over the last week. Oh, yeah, you know, is the Super Bowl on Sunday? I was like, yeah. And then today she's like, oh, are we watching the Super Bowl tomorrow? I'm like, oh, do, do, do you want to? She's like, well, I like the commercials. You know, very typical. You know, but I like to watch yeah. the commercials. And I'm like, no, oh, oh, I mean – I, I guess for the the interest of the show, I may check in to the Super Bowl, but the, just just really, you know the it, it's it's funny that your description in the uh, blog site of this matchup pretty much perfectly encapsulates it. There any interesting descriptors that you can use for this game? There's pretty much none. 
you know, universally, I, I think people have just sort of resigned themselves to the fact that it will it will most likely, for for whatever way, shape, or form, end up being a a Patriots win. I see a lot of the same, like in the in the in the comments on news articles. I see a lot of the same. You've got like Patriots fans have become worse than Yankees fans. I've determined that. Um, that for for no other reason that you just simply the team that you root for happens to be good for a very long time. And I care, apparently that means that you can just be a douchebag. I, I, I did not realize that, that just rooting for a team that happens to be good gives you, you know, free reign and license to just be a raving idiot and, and treat other people terribly. So, so good job there, Patriots fans. And, and you almost, I, I get the sense a, a lot of the, the times. New when, you see, when you see this though, these generally don't I, it doesn't feel like that the people who are doing this are the, like the lifelong patriots fans you know i think a lot of times lot of when you get somebody who, who bandwagon entitled. jumps yeah yeah i think that sense of entitlement comes from the from the bandwagon jumping um i think you see that with any team that's achieved a, a measure of success you know it's like hey, I, i'm a cubs fan my whole life and the cubs won a world series didn't mean that suddenly I could just become a jerk, you know, to other people because, oh, I I rooted for a team that happened for, you know, over the last few years to be one of the best teams in the league. Well, it's like, ah, well, now I can just be like, well, all your teams are shit and you guys just don't, you know, you can't appreciate it. And it's like, no, no, if you've been a, so I, I get a sense that a lot of the people who've been consistently good fans of a team are more appreciative of what's of what is going on, but I but you know there, there's just the meathead, idiot sports fans in general that are just waiting for that moment for their team to be good so they can rub it in everyone's face. That's fine, because it won't last forever. <laughs> I think everybody knows that. But you'll have a lot of these people who are who are Patriots fans now who'll just jump on board with the next hot shit team as soon as the Patriots dynasty is over. And there's just there's just so much just stupidity especially in the internet i don't even know why i bother you know you read a news article on something and then you go down and you start to like browse through the comments and it just turns into yeah your team sucks no your team sucks and it, it, yeah it, and even that's boring for this super bowl because there's there's no there's no rivalry there's no hatred between these teams you know you're, you're running into a situation here where you have to try to make tom brady and the patriots who, like I said, universally are expected to win, look excited, and they make this exciting matchup out of Nick Foles, Philadelphia Eagles. There's no sizzle. There is definitely no sizzle for this game, Uh, not from outsiders, you know, not from people outside of Philadelphia and and Boston, basically. there's, there's really not much for anyone else to watch. I don't. I'm really interested in what the number is going to be as far as the rating goes. I, I yeah, because it feels like it's going to be like one of the lower rated Super Bowls maybe in the past decade or so, and it's it's fascinating. It, you, it, the Yankees went through this as you already re- uh, alluded to a little bit. They got so good. It was like okay, it's the Yankees again, whatever, and. You, kind of didn't feel like watching anymore is that you're you're so sick of them you just don't even want to 
You don't even want to hate watch anymore after a while. You just want to you just want them out of your life. And I think that's where a lot of people are right now. Yeah, especially it's just, it's such a anticlimactic ending to the season that we it was we were all on board with this whole concept all year, especially you where you nailed it early about how wide open it was. And everything feels like it's wide open and we're going to get some new blood. Maybe we're going to see some new teams and we get the Patriots again. And it is the Patriots again, yeah. So. <sighs> after all of that. Right. And, and they're playing a team in Philadelphia that would be a lot more exciting and watchable if this was the, the Carson Wentz version of, of the Eagles. Cause there, then there'd be a little bit of sizzle, you know, you'd have like sort of like Tom Brady's on his way out going up against an up and coming guy, having a gigantic second season probably would have won the MVP had he won all, you know, won through and played through the rest of the season. Cause I would have said, I would have told you back in week, 13, 14, back when time, around the time when Wentz got hurt, he had the leg up from the, from the way he was playing. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was he was in the conversation, and if he had finished strong, possibly could have just outright won the MVP, and it could have been another one, another you know, bit of Brady fatigue. People were more going to sometimes we saw this with Jordan, right? They're more willing yeah. to give it to somebody else just for the sake of giving it to somebody else. LeBron too, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I don't think it would have. I don't think it's that clear cut. I don't think if Carson Wentz had played through the whole season at the level he had played all year and won the MVP, that you would have had as strong of a mad as you did at sometimes what you see in the NBA when Steve Nash wins an MVP. <laughs> well, they're still talking about that. Um, one of those like TNT uh, studio shows. Shaquille O'Neal was still sort of the, the subject of Steve Nash came up and Shaq was, is still to this day sort of burning mad <laughs> that, that Steve Nash has twice the number of league MVPs that Shaquille O'Neal does. Well, <laughs> I think Shaq's doing okay. Come on. Steve Nash isn't doing commercials for the general. That's right. <laughs> Shaq is big time. He's riding with the general. What, what else could you ask for? <laughs> uh, hey, we only got and, 50 minutes left to fill here. And Icy Hot or whatever, uh, the, the back pain specialist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jack's got all the endorsements working. I thought Frank Thomas had stooped low with the, well. with the real over-the-top <laughs> sexual innuendo that he has going on in all of his commercials that they're almost creepy now. You know. Hey, trust me. Trust me. Your wife's going to like it, too. Come on. <laughs> Trust me on that one. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Frank. How do you know my wife's going <laughs> to like it? Uh, well, I, um, I, uh, I just trust me. I, I can't get into details. Just, just trust me on it. Your wife's really going to like it. What do you mean my wife's really going to like it? Yeah. So I'm waiting for that commercial. Uh, it's probably out there somewhere. The, the Shaquille O'Neal uh, sexual enhancement drug commercial. I'm, I'm sure it's around there somewhere. I'm sure Superhead is gonna uh, call in with an endorsement. Well, actually, she said he was. He was. You don't know Superhead. Uh, it's this groupie that was like, actually so famous that she got a nickname of Superhead. And I'll give you one guess as to how she got that nickname. Oh, anyway, she wrote a her. Yeah, she was really smart. 
Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, her brain. Uh, anyway, she wrote a book, and apparently Shaq, uh, you would think as big as he is, he would be extra big in, in every other way. Oh, and according, sure. to, according to her book, apparently uh, apparently he's not. So oh, maybe that okay. maybe that commercial is not coming from, from Big Shaq. Well, no, it's Frank Thomas. Frank already has the commercial. Frank already has, that's right. has discovered oh, so the you think, gonna... oh, so you think Shaq's going to move in on some of the Frank Thomas action? I don't. Well, maybe it's, it sounds like from the from the book that maybe Shaq is the one that needs the supplements. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You know, I'm I'm just okay. telling you what I've heard. All right, but trust me, your wife's going to like it too. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? I, I I'm I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Just say it, okay. Yeah. So Super Bowl. Woo! Fifty two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey folks, we do not prepare for this show at all. And uh Obviously. We're, we are de- yeah, we're, we're we're usually not this bad. Usually we got some angles to take, we got something to dig into and it's just uh this matchup is just is so it's so okay. <laughs> so I've been completely removed for the last two weeks. It's just good to know it's it's not just me. Oh this no, is just kind no. of the, the the meh Super Bowl. Uh, you know, it, it, and I think that's one of the reasons why I've stayed away. I've done no ESPN, no NFL Network, no PTI, no no. Talking head shows, none of that stuff. No Dan Patrick, no Colin Cowherd, none, none, nothing, zero. Because the worst thing I knew I was going to see was teams desperately and, and players and talking heads and radio hosts all desperately flailing around trying to sell me this game and make it exciting. And I just was I just was like, you know what, I'm just not gonna have any of it. It's gonna make me more mad about the game. I'm not gonna watch any pregame tomorrow. I mean I might be watching the puppy bowl tomorrow. Uh, we could break that down. <laughs> Do we have any line spreads or over unders on the puppy bowl? Uh I'm sure there's I'm, stuff in I'm Vegas that you can bet on, like I'm looking at the prop bets and I don't see that, although it, it, I might be on the wrong page. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because you always like bowl. to go through and look at the prop bets. I haven't, I haven't paid uh, any single attention. It was only by luck of going through the regular news that I found out about the Alex Smith trade. <laughs> it, well, you got purely by luck, and I was like, and that was like probably the most shocking thing that came out of this last couple of weeks. Excuse me for me was that Alex Smith got traded to the Washington Redskins. I was like, whoa. Well, I didn't see that coming. Neither did Alex Smith, I bet you. Yeah, and I immediately jumped onto my phone and went over to Roto World just to make sure I was, like, seeing it. You're like, did that really happen? And, yeah, sure enough, there it was. Real few items down the list on Roto World talking about, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to be the guy next year. They, apparently that one game he played in week seven, that was enough. That was it's a hell of a game. that he needed to see. Played a hell of a well. game. And, and then you got to see Alex completely shit the bet against the Titans in the second half. And I, I guess that's all they needed to see. <laughs> that, that, I think, had more to do with it than anything. Uh, we, except, yeah, there's that. 
there's that next level quality that I think Alex Smith just doesn't possess. And I think every team has kind of found that out. Like he's good enough to get you there. He's Doug Collins. He's not Phil Jackson, right? He's, he, he can get you to the doorway, but he's not banging. He's not bashing it down. And that's not a – Reed is finding this out the hard way. He's going with the big arm and the youth and the mobility, and it, it instantly gives the Chiefs some, some interest going into next season. That's for – here it is, Super Bowl weekend, and we're breaking down the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs. Well – this is going to be more intriguing, apparently, than the Super Bowl. This is going to um, feel like a this is going to feel like a Tuesday recap show, and then we're just going to pick the Super Bowl <laughs> in the last ninety seconds, like it's a Thursday right. night game. <laughs> oh, by oh, the yeah, way, wait. oh, by the way, we're just going to go ahead and pick the Super Bowl. The thing I found uh, curious about the Alex Smith trade was just reading somebody, t- uh, I think, tweeting out. How apparently Andy Reid is like the uh, the the runaway bride now. He's this is like the fourth quarterback Andy Reid has traded in his in his career. When you think back to Donovan McNabb and, and uh, some of the Philadelphia quarterbacks, Nick Foles, uh, coincidentally enough, is one of them. Um, and now here's Alex Smith. Uh, this this might be more about Andy Reid than Alex Smith uh, in the long run. Andy Reid doesn't. Have, have much of a of a fuse. He doesn't have much patience for a quarterback, so he doesn't think he can go all the way with. If he thinks you're done, he's going to jettison you real quick, and that's exactly what he did now with Alex Smith. So, yeah, Pat Mahomes was, was going to be the guy. He was drafted to be the guy. They moved up in the draft into the first round, higher in the first round to get him. So, obviously, he was going to be the guy. Um, as I talked about a little bit in the last show, in our award show, the honors and dishonors when I gave Alex Smith the, the wait your turn young whippersnapper award, because he had Pat Mahomes breathing down his neck and turned in a career season and was right up there. Number one in the league in passer rating and, and looked like he had turned it around and was, was going full speed ahead with his Kansas city career. I really think that Titans game just soured Andy Reid on the whole thing. Like, okay, this is this is the best Alex Smith. This is peak Alex Smith that I got this year, and it's still resulting in a first round exit at home. And he's only getting older. He's not getting any younger. Uh, let, let's go. Let's pull the trigger. Let's let's get this kid Mahomes in there now. And so Andy Reid, he will pull the trigger when he thinks it's that time, and that's exactly what he just did. Yeah, especially after in the first half of that wildcard round game against Tennessee that you got like the best that you're going to get from Alex Smith. I mean, he was playing still out of his out. mind in the first half of that game. They still lost. Yeah. So Andy Reid will, will make that move. So yeah, um, that, that pretty much was the most exciting uh, NFL news of the past couple of weeks. You, you just heard it. Yeah. And I watched, I, I watched uh, a lot of golf. Uh, I watched golf last weekend. I was watching a little bit more this week. Uh, I've watched a lot of Science Channel. I watched a lot of Food Network. You know, just it was it was pretty much anything but football. And it might it might having avoided all of it get me to the point where by tomorrow at five thirty I'll I'll feel like okay I'm ready. I I can handle one more football game to, to kind of get me through here 
not going to be helped by the fact that it's it's going to be the NBC crew calling it. And I, I'm just thoroughly convinced that every network's A team is the worst team they have, <laughs> except for maybe CBS. I can I can kind of stomach uh, Nance and Romo. I, I I I think that that's the the crew I can tolerate the most. It's definitely not Joe Buck, and it's definitely not Michaels and Collinsworth. But that's what and that's what we're gonna get. And right, uh, get a lot of ass kissing, a lot of Tom Brady filleting. Oh, yeah. Is it's gonna be just star fucking all over the place? So we we're, and, we're and the, prepared for it. The and the NBC production values are my least favorite. Um, so, so their overall presentation of the broadcast is, is the one I like the least. I, I, there's nothing particularly that I like about the NBC. It, it's all that because of the Sunday night football, it's all so over sensationalized all the way down to the stupid, uh, you know, every, everything now has got to have the big entrance song. I hate it. The whole, you know, all the Carrie Underwood and all that. So I can't stand any of that. I've never liked any of it. Um, I've, I've kind of mocked those throughout the years. So, so the whole production, the production value, it's all sort of kicked into overdrive. And then for the Super Bowl, it gets even worse. Oh yeah. And and I'm just not particular. You know, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are about 15 years both past their prime, at least. Michaels maybe more. Um, so there's just, you know, you feel like they're calling the game for like a generation, like two generations older than us, <laughs> like really old people. I mean, Al Michaels is getting into Berman territory with his bad references. Yeah. Al is definitely calling the game for his, uh, multimillionaire friends in Burbank, California and nobody else. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah. some of the references he makes, oh my goodness. Yeah, like he, he, is he, he makes way it on another right? <laughs> and and Collinsworth used to be a crew type material, but you know, and it, it's just not there. So, but we're gonna get it, and they're gonna just fall in love with every anybody who's doing good at the moment. They're gonna completely just love. Oh yeah, they're gonna slurp up whoever makes a great play and tell you just how great of a of a player and a, and a human being he is at the same time yeah and they'll have uh they they're the ones that have all the ridiculous uh highlight packages for the players and everybody's got the stupid idiotic poses you know and oh i cannot stand the production value of the nbc broadcast at all oh people make fun of those uh player introducing themselves uh that that's been spoofed already, like for years. Like uh, there was a, a black comedy duo named Key and Peel, and they did. Mm-hmm. You probably saw it somewhere along the way. The, uh, the 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 spoofing the players, giving their names. You know, Jack Crunchwinkle from Mississippi Valley State, and, and just it, it's so goofy uh, because that's what the players look like, and, it, and half of them are giving their grade school alma mater because they yeah. hate their college so much and <laughs> obviously have issues there. It's like, oh, you know, shout out to their, their street gang in, in, uh, in Compton instead of actually giving their school. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be pro player creativity. I'm trying to be, uh, let them shine, let their personality shine through. 
some of them you don't want their personalities to shine through because their personalities suck. So some of them you don't want them to have that spotlight. But yeah, I'm with you about Michaels and Collins where Collins work it still shows that glimmer every now and then of being really good. But there's a couple of problems I have with him. One is is like you talked about the the star fucking and uh, the way that he just goes gaga over the the smallest little play or the, the smallest player, depending on what they got pre pre written down, pre staged, pre produced for that player. Uh, he, he's waiting. It's you know he's it's clear that he's waiting for that player to make one small little play so he can go launch into this diatribe of how great he is, so that he can tr- introduce the package that they have pre produced for the guy. And I really hate that. It makes everything feel so set up and and planned out and the second thing i don't like about him is it's he makes it too obvious he's not a good enough actor to pull this off it's too obvious that he's got some sort of financial stake or relationship with pro football focus because the way he introduces those stats it's way way too heavy-handed it's so obvious that there's he's got some sort of stake there i don't know exactly what it is i haven't done the research and haven't bothered to look it up, but there's something there. He's got some money or something invested with those guys. And he's white. Al mentions pro football focus zero times during the telecast. Cause he has no stake in him and he's old. And he doesn't give a fuck. And it's obvious. But when, when Collinsworth starts in and tries to explain that this, uh, this right guard is the, you know, 14th, highest ranked right guard in all of football, according to the pro football focus data. And it's obvious he's just reciting shit off a piece of paper. He doesn't actually know what he's talking about. He just makes it way too obvious when he goes into that. So that's the other thing I don't like about him. Yeah. And since I, since it already feels like everything here is going to be, I've already predicted the way the game is going to go in our last show. So when we can recap that, when we actually pick the, we might as well just get, you know, we, can we just dig up uh, Jim Ross and, you know, and then the, who who was the during the heyday a few years ago with WWE? Who was the other announcer? Was it the color guy? Oh, King Lawler. Okay, yeah, Jerry Lawler. Oh, <laughs> it was King. And you know, so yeah, so you had let's get those guys to call the game. It would be more exciting. Oh, you really want to go back to the XFL then? Um, oh, that was that was awful because they they called XFL games. <laughs> Are we getting, let's, get, talk about, let's get Joey Styles out there to call the game. Let's do something. Let's make this thing oh exciting. Oh, my God! Uh, when Ross and Lawler <laughs> called the Rexabells game, it was so obvious they didn't know what the hell that was going on. They didn't know what they were talking but, about. They didn't know any of the players. Is Hilarious, so though. we got to go hilarity because I need something to make this exciting and fun for me. It's not Michaels and Collinsworth. It's going to be so by the book and so vanilla and so in the bag for the team that has the lead um, or the guy who just made the good play, I, I might have to watch it on mute. We're both in the same boat uh, as far as we, I didn't do any uh, uh, ESPN, NFL Network. Yeah. I haven't been a part of any. I have no idea about any well, you, hype you didn't have a reason to. I mean, you, you, you've been busy. <laughs> you've been busy this last yeah. week. I was, I was exactly. I, I had a real good reason for not being able to get to, to any of that stuff. But uh, so, but I think maybe that's the advantage that we have uh, as a way to enjoy the game is that we really are going to be all about the game because we haven't seen any of this lead up. So by the time five thirty rolls around, we really will be all about. Hey, it's time to watch football, and that's all that matters. 
That's all that's going to matter. Uh, I'm not interested in the pregame stuff tomorrow. I'm not planning to turn to turn any of it on. Um, I don't even want to see the introductions because that's completely by the book now. It, um, uh, ironically, it's this very Patriots team. If you want to think all the way back to their first title, uh, and I yeah. can still remember the uh, the late Pat Summerall of choosing to be introduced as a team, the AFC champion New England Patriots, and from that point forward. Everyone wants to be just introduced as a team, which completely defeats the point of introducing the teams. Uh, and so that's not even the, the least been interesting anymore. At least when they introduced individual players, you kind of got to, you know, hey, there's you know Jerry Rice. There's the greatest of all time. There's the GOAT. You know, get to see him run out there. Joe Montana, hey, there's the man. He's, that's Joe Cool. You don't even get any of that crap anymore. So it's just basically – a big build up to a commercial break to see them run out as a team and then go right into America, the beautiful and the national anthem. So, yeah. Just Which worked. No reason it, it was, a, it was effective for that team. It was a very that, effective move yeah. playing against that greatest show on turf Rams team. That was all individual stars that you had the Patriots, massive underdogs decide that we're all going to come out as one unit and show you that, you know, we're all just one team with one mission and one goal. Somebody's going to need to buck the trend here and just go back and come out and go, hey, let's do some individual. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Introductions again. I want to see a team come mid you know, and break that mold again and be like, you know what? We are that good. It is about us. And, and right. I want to see somebody come out and do that. So somebody needs to break up what the Patriots sort of started, but had a reason for starting it. It made sense. Right. It, it worked because they were the huge underdog, and it also worked right. in the premise of them being the Patriots and Patriot, you know, Patriotity, whatever that word might be, uh, being in the air. There you go. <laughs> yeah, this was right after 9 11, by the way. Um, that's, that's what I was getting to, yeah. Yeah. So. Sorry. I didn't want to. I, I, Patriotity um, <laughs> got me. <laughs> It's late. What can I say? It's 10.30. I do appreciate you letting us uh, start a little late tonight. I was texting you about that because I had to drive home. So first of all, we had a snowstorm here today and I had to head home from work. So I ended up not even getting home from work uh, to sit down for dinner until like 7.30. And by that point, it's like, oh, you know, I want to spend an hour. You know, So I didn't even get completely done and settled with everything until right about 9 o'clock, which if we had done a 9 o'clock show, I would have just been – go, 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 try to rush, rush, rush. And, uh, yeah, I didn't feel like, you know, it wasn't, wasn't like I wanted to do that to my kids and my wife tonight. A snowstorm in Wisconsin in Jan in February? I know. No. I know. Yeah. Can you believe it? I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally shocked. So, yeah, no, no, no problem. I've just been, <laughs> been sitting here, uh, it, have you? Did you hear that drop? I heard you try to play the boy howdy, but did it play in your ear yeah, or no? It, it didn't play for me at all. It was like, it, yeah, it, it, I tried it. Uh, I've tried the drops before. Actually, when I was that that brief time, I was the host for like five minutes before we went on the air. Yeah. I was trying to I was trying to play drops just to sort of get my own uh, hearing level together, and the drops weren't playing for me either. And at that point, I was like, oh, okay. oh no, it's gonna be one of those nights. So I. I I knew it was going to be bad pretty much from that point. And then you call, you call in and I, and I click you over and you can't hear me. And I'm like, okay, here we go again. Here we go with that. So then you had to call back as the host and, and I 
barely was able to call in as uh, as the co-host yep. uh, as as the theme music was wearing off there. But on a very positive note, both of us being in this queue area five minutes before the show prevented a whole lot of on-air disaster at the beginning of the show. That's true. All of our uh, disaster and panic took place before the show actually started this time. Yes. But, instead of so, after yeah, the show so, started. Yeah. That's just, I've been through enough shows lately where, where it's just suddenly it's just the show starts and there's nothing going. Although on the last show, we both got disconnected like midway through the show. Yeah, I remember. We started talking yeah. about Trump and then watch did it. you get a sound? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I got to watch my mouth. Did you get a sound when we got disconnected? Because I got a very interesting sound. Or did no. you just drop last show? I just, all I, I know is it just said caller, you know, so-and-so done. You know, I was like, oh, no. I actually like heard... you have been it just comes up and says you have been disconnected. I was like, oh no. Right. <laughs> what you are the weakest link. Goodbye. No, I actually heard a very interesting sound before we got disconnected. It was that old school when you call up a you remember when you used to call a phone number and it was disconnected and they gave you the doo doo dee and that three yeah. uh, that tone. I I heard that, then we dropped. And I'm like, what? Oh the wow. Fuck? What? Where did that come from? I hadn't heard that in years, so I, I don't know exactly what was going on. But the, like I said, we we started talking about Trump, and one thing led to another, and we got disconnected. So we we better watch our mouths here. Because Trump, for people who didn't listen to our show, uh, got one of our awards for honors and dishonors. So we 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 span the whole realm uh, when we have honors and we- dishonors. So. We can't recap it because we, we can't talk about it if we get disconnected again. So you have no. to go back and listen to the to the previous show. No, we we we, we I don't I don't need anything going in front of a FISA court because we're talking about it on our show. <laughs> I learned anything this week. I don't want that. Yeah. Um, I guess that can lead me into our our uh, talking about our our props here and and where you can listen to the show, listen to our past shows, listen to. This show live, if you're listening live, you already know where to go for that. And that is, of course, the website, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. Am I breaking up tonight at all, or has it actually been clean? No, you're clean. Wow. I, I'm, every time I'm clean and I'm on the microphone, I'm stunned. Um, but, but thank goodness for small miracles. Um, if you want to listen to any past shows, there are many ways to do that. You can go back to the archive tab on this very same page, or you can go through iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, and just search for in much less detail the podcast, or you can go through any number of different podcast apps. Search for in much less detail the podcast, hit the subscribe button on whatever site that you're on, and every show that we do, once it's complete, you will get that entirety, uh, you will get that entire show, the live portion and whatever portion we do in an after show after that's over. There are several ways to get in contact with us. You can hit me up on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can hit up Jason at IMLDJTG. You can shoot us an email to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. And you can go check out our blog, which is where all these football picks that we make are stored. The blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. And you can always leave a comment there. You can leave a comment on iTunes. You can leave comments pretty much anywhere that you 
connect with the show and hopefully we'll be able to get them. But uh, there's many different ways if you want to connect with us. And for those of you who have been listening this year and the years past, we want to thank you very, very much. Believe it or not, this is the conclusion of our fifth year of podcasting. Uh, every time I say that, I think back to that first show that we did and how nervous we were and, and didn't know what to say and what to do. And our voices were quivering and, and now it's, it's old hat and we've been at this for half a decade now already. And who knows how much farther, how much longer it'll go, but however long it is, we'll be doing what we do, talking about anything, saying whatever we want to say, having a good time, being ourselves, being honest, doing what we love to do, which is talking football and whatever else we feel like talking about at that point in time. So uh, as we get ready for our off season uh, to begin shortly after the Super Bowl, we'll have our Super Bowl recap show somewhere in the middle of uh, next week. And then after that, we may not be back on the air until the Oscars show, which would be the beginning of March, or we may get a, a show in between then and, and, and the Oscars depending on how we feel. Uh, but yeah, yeah the off season is of wide open. That's right. We do whatever we want. We talk about whatever we want. And next thing you know, we look up and we've filled up another uh, hour or two uh, talking the topics of the day. And uh, this is definitely the season of, uh, this was the season of Chicago memories. I have to say. Yeah. We, we went back in time for a lot of different Chicago memories and you get the feeling you could fall down that rabbit hole and go searching on YouTube and you just get lost in different Chicago commercials and Chicago uh, advertisements, the things that make you think about yeah. old Chicago when we were growing up and remember old Chicago. Uh, yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff out there uh, to, to remember, to remember Chi-Town. And we, we went back to that well several times this year. And I am, and I, sh I am planning on being there um, for our winter baseball meeting for our team. I don't go every year, um, but I've got a full week of vacation starting with the day of that meeting. Um, so from the 27th of February through the you know early part of March. So I've got actually a full block of vacation time, uh, and I decided I was going to go down there because you know I go down there on the 27th, I come home on the 28th, and then the the March 1st is my daughter's birthday, so. Uh, I'm doing a little whirlwind thing here, and then uh, I'm going to have that whole weekend off. So uh, I'll, I, I can re I'll have a report from Chicago uh, as we start shifting into uh, fantasy baseball season here. This is always big for me because the Super Bowl ends and I move on to my second job. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, yeah, we got the, the pitchers and catchers big, reporting soon here. Big money, big cash, uh, baseball fantasy league, uh, the AL only league that that you're a part that you're a part of, and you recruit me to, to help you out with uh, drafting your team and figuring out which players you want to look at and which players you want to ignore, and and we we do that draft in uh, the beginning of April, uh, yeah. usually on a weekend. So yeah, we'll definitely be getting uh, revved up for all of that, um, and our usual. Uh, off-season fair, the, the things that I'm uh, more interested in. So I, I create these other shows that we do. We do the Oscars uh, preview show with Dave, the movie expert, and certainly hope that he'll join us once again for that. We do a WrestleMania preview show with Jerry, the wrestling expert, and hope that he'll join us for that. We have a March Madness preview that I'm actually watching a lot of college basketball and trying to get 
caught up on all that so I can show all my geniusness and wind up losing anyway. Um, and then, of course, our <laughs> baseball preview. So. Yeah. No, we do. Even though it's Kings of Non Sequitur, we do have a, we do stick to a, we do have our, our, our main shows that we, that we do, and then we'll sprinkle in a little flavor in between and, and totally go non sequitur. Oh, yeah. And, uh, some of our best shows, some of our best shows are just random shows about nothing. Yeah. If you're a new listener and you like what you hear, trust me, you're going to get a lot more of it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Us, us doing anything that we can, desperate to avoid yeah. talking about the the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl, and we aren't even we don't even want to talk about it. We're forty minutes into a Super Bowl preview show, and we haven't actually talked about the Super Bowl. We've talked about the crappy announcing crew, and, and we've come, we've talked about you know things like on the periphery of the game. But as far as the game itself, I I, I guess we should pick the Super Bowl. I hit the whistle twice, and it, the, the okay. board doesn't want us to talk about the game because the board doesn't want to work. Yeah, so, it's anyway. bored. <laughs> See, I can't even hit the hey hey on you because the board is sorry. Working, so that's yeah, yeah. But you know, you earned it. I, I owe yeah. you one. Um. Anyway, <laughs> the board is sick. It sounds sick. The, the, Board sounds like it caught a cold. It's got the flu. The flu is going around yeah, everywhere. The like, board's got the flu. It was like 30 seconds too late, and you don't get, hey, hey. You kind of just get, eh. Eh. <laughs> I think that's how you feel about this game. Eh. Eh. It's the, it's the meh bowl. <laughs> it's Super Bowl 52. It's supposed to be the, the biggest gala extravaganza American holiday Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And it's not all that exciting to most people. So ah, we, we've we've droned on long enough. The Patriots and the Eagles are both fifteen and three. If you count these two uh, playoff games that they played, they entered the playoffs thirteen and three. Uh, in in many ways, I think they're actually more evenly matched than most people would would probably think, but. Uh, of course, the spread doesn't reflect that because it's the Patriots. You got to respect the Patriots. Uh, Philadelphia, after going up and down all week, has wound up as a now four and a half point underdog. Uh, I think that was, uh, I think it's open about like five, five and a half maybe uh, at some point. And, and now down to four and a half. I think some money is getting thrown at the Eagles here last minute. Uh, uh, that's surprising. I think so many people are, are sick of the Patriots. Yeah, 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 the Eagles, yeah, yeah, they can do it. Yeah, why not? Uh, so we'll see if you agree with that or not. Philadelphia plus four and a half versus New England in Minneapolis for the Super Bowl. Jason, who you got? Well, anybody who's listened to this show or followed our podcast, the Eagles, the, 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 the I'm sorry, the Patriots have factored into enough of our shows picking Super Bowls that I think anybody would know what my pick is automatically going to be. I'm taking the Eagles and the points, but not to win the game because the Patriots are contractually obligated to <laughs> not win Super Bowls by generally more than three or four points. I mean, the la and last year, they, they yes, they won by six, 
And that was the biggest margin of victory that they've had. And that was only by virtue of having to take a team that they were losing by 25 points to, to overtime to then score on the first possession of overtime, shutting Atlanta out from getting the ball and winning the Super Bowl. That was their biggest margin of victory in a Super Bowl. These Patriots, the greatest team of all time, have five Super Bowl victories by by 19 total points. So the, the numbers would seem to indicate just based on their history, uh, and even their losses were close. So it's going to be a close game. The Patriots, for, for all the greatness, just seem to lack the capacity when it gets to being the Super Bowl of blowing somebody out. And, and, and just for shits and giggles, I at one point wanted to go through and see how many individual teams have won the Super Bowl by more than 19 points. Because that's what the Patriots have needed. The Patriots have needed five Super Bowls to be, you know, in their wins to be plus nineteen. And then if you factor in, uh, if you factor in the Patriots' uh, seven appearances with Brady and Belichick, and then having lost a couple of games, I believe each by three points, the Patriots in seven Super Bowls are plus thirteen. It's going to be a close game. That in particular, yeah, that there's the greatness there for you. Seven Super Bowls plus thirteen. Not great. And, Tommy's and, you know, dominant. I, I don't know what you're talking uh, about, but Tommy's no, dominant. And, but, and that's but that's the thing that is no matter who they play, if they play Matt Ryan, the MVP, if they play Russell Wilson, or if they play Jake DeLome, it's going to be a close game. And now they're going to get Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles who actually do, I believe present some matchup problems for them. They do have on offense. The one thing that Jacksonville lacked, and that is a tremendous amount of balance and an incredibly deep running game. I don't think we're going to see the Eagles get into a situation where their offense literally just turns into turtling and one yard runs on every first down in the fourth quarter of a game because they can come at you with so many different ways because they have, you know, a power guy, a speed guy, a receiving type back. I mean, they really do sort of have even to a more of a degree than the Eagle of the Patriots, a more dynamic group of running backs. When you look at the Patriots, they have three of the same guy. Maybe you do Deion Lewis and uh, and Burkhead and James White. Pretty much you put those guys all in there, kind of like a soup. They're all the same guy. They can all catch out of the backfield. None of them are particularly dynamic runners. They all kind of do the same things. Where the Eagles, though, can be a little bit more specialized and kind of have like this Swiss Army knife backfield that I think actually gives them a lot of, a lot of matchup problems for the uh, for the Patriots on defense, and then they actually do possess some guys who can go get the ball. Elshon Jeffrey had maybe the best game of his career against the Minnesota Vikings in that uh, in that playoff blowout. I mean, he was just going up and getting it. Nick Foles was not afraid to throw it deep, and then they've got Aguilar, they've got tight ends. So I like the Eagles' offense, even with Nick Foles. And that's really, I think, where it's all going to boil down to is which Nick Foles are we going to get? Are we going to get the Nick Foles who was just dink and doink and run pass option through, you know, just doing enough to win the game against the Falcons? 
or are we going to get the one who's just like, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to go all balls out here, and we're going to we're just going to completely destroy the best defense in the league. When you fl- and then you flip that around to what the Patriots had to do to beat the other top defense in the league, which was completely get dominated for three and a half quarters before they just decided that Danny Amendola nobody could cover and Tom Brady just hit him on every little hitch and crossing pattern that you could and did all their underneath stuff and somehow eke out a victory again and here we are. So I I do believe that the Eagles present enough physicality problems and matchup problems. But the problem that they just won't have is that sort of just pendulum drumbeat of efficiency and that moving the ball down the field that the New England Patriots seem to possess. And no matter what's going to happen, something's going to go the Patriots way. Weird bounce, horrible call, uh, uh, another what is a catch moment, which the Patriots have been on the beneficiary side of many times more than they've been on the wrong side of this year. Many times this year, it seems like when when the idiot guy in New York gets his hands on a Patriots game, he's making a call that benefits them in the what is a catch department. And and just all of those things just seem to sort of line up. And the Patriots are going to win by three. And you can take any combination of numbers. I don't really think it matters. They're just going to win the game by three. And there you go. Do you have a final score by three or does it matter? It really doesn't matter. It's, it's just whatever going to Philly be whatever scores, it is. Whatever Philly scores, the way, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be crazy high scoring. Uh, if I, you know, so if I really had to give a number, I would be thinking more along the lines of like twenty three twenty something along those lines. Okay. Well, Although. We had a we had a we had a Super Bowl when they played the Panthers that we thought was going to be you know, like the most boring <laughs> game of all time, and it was like six to three or three to three at halftime. It ended up being thirty two twenty nine. So you never know in these things. You don't. Yeah, I uh, I'm I don't think either team really should should be here. I think. Uh, Obviously, you can look at the Eagles and say that they don't deserve to be here because of the uh, Carson Wentz injury. You can look at the Patriots and say they don't deserve to be here just because of how terrible their defense is. Uh, so both teams are in the same boat to me that they they both should be very should feel very lucky that they're playing in the Super Bowl because maybe a month ago, month and a half ago, I don't I don't think I would have seen either one of these two teams. Uh, as Super Bowl teams, but here they are. Uh, I mean, they earned it. They they did what they had to do to get here, but they they just also were a, 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 they had a lot of luck. They were the beneficiaries of a lot of good luck and, and some uh, good refereeing uh, on their side, or maybe bad refereeing, depending on how you see it. Uh, but they're both in the same boat. They both had the same record, and then. But but the but the Patriots are the big four and a half point favorites. It was uh, in the fives uh, leading up to this. So yeah, uh, to, to spoil my pick before I go through my big spiel, I, I feel the same as Jason. Is there the Patriots always play a close game in the Super Bowl, and in this case, both teams uh, really do seem like they're. Uh, 
pretty evenly matched up. They're not the same team, obviously, by any stretch, but uh, to say that one is on a neutral field, you know, definitely five points better than the other, I don't, personally, I don't see that. But there, there you have it. There's the Patriots' love for you, and I guess that's what they've earned over the years of, of uh, certainly not dominance in the Super Bowl, but the fact is they're the ones that have been there the most by, by a mile. Uh, and what an incredible run it's been, and it may end this year, and it may not, because uh, they may luck their way into another Super Bowl appearance next year. You never know. But uh, actually, I was wondering what the – what the deal was with people when, when the spread first came out, I think it, like I said, I think it may have been five and a half and people were going crazy. Oh my God, all these close Super Bowls that we've had, that's the biggest point spread we we're going to see in such a long time in so many years. And so I had to open up my uh, little Excels and go through all the spreads and the, the, the past Super Bowls uh, recently I actually didn't go very far to find a similar spread two years ago. Uh, Cam Newton and the and the Carolina Panthers were very very dominant and they had only lost one game going into the Super Bowl. So if you remember, everyone thought they were just going to smash Peyton Manning and his rag ass arm and the Denver Broncos. And the and the Panthers were a five point favorite over Denver in that game, and they nothing like that and wound up getting basically embarrassed because uh, you should not lose a Super Bowl when the opposing quarterback plays as bad as Peyton. Manning did, but there you go. The, the Panthers wound up losing. Peyton gets gets his second ring on his way out the door. But uh, yeah, it's only the biggest spread since two years ago. So I don't know why people were going crazy about how big it was. It actually is not going to wind up being all that big by the time they kick off tomorrow. Uh, so you got these two teams. You got, of course, the Patriots and their big offense with Tom Brady, the Hall of Famer. And the the Eagles, they're bringing in one of the better defenses in the league. And that's really the only matchup. I mean, let's be honest. That's really the only thing that that separates uh, these two teams and and makes you wonder who's going to go which way is depending on how you think the uh, the Patriots offense is going to handle the Eagles defense. Almost nothing else matters in this game. So with that said, let's go ahead and put everybody to sleep for good and revisit my little uh, fun with numbers and and which teams – are elite and which teams are subpar because I actually nailed what was going to happen in the playoffs before the playoffs began. And right off the bat, I will once again flagellate myself for not paying attention to my own stats and not making these picks and getting them wrong in the, in, in that uh, second football weekend, the uh, divisional round weekend. But I made up for it last week or a couple weeks ago in the conference finals. But as I was saying, as I as my numbers pointed out, this is the trend right now. When an elite passing offense goes against an elite passing defense, it's the elite passing defense that has been coming out on top. Uh, even in that Super Bowl that I just referenced, the Panthers and the Broncos, what happened in that game? Of course, that was Cam Newton leading what was at that time a high-flying passing offense. Uh, and he had an MVP season, and he was looking at uh, being maybe the best quarterback in the game at that point uh, against the Denver Broncos' elite pass defense that was shutting everybody down. And that was, of course, the the passing defense of the Broncos coming through and, and destroying Cam Newton and wrecking his world. 
And Denver wins that game 24 to 10 as five point underdogs. And that was just part of uh, a five game stretch in the 2015 season going into the 2016 playoffs, where it was what I define as an elite passing offense, which for those who didn't listen when I went through this before, is a passing offense that averages seven and a half or more passing yards per attempt. That's how I define an elite passing offense. I define an elite passing defense as a defense that gives up six and a half yards or less per pass attempt. And there were five games, there were five matchups that defined an elite passing offense versus an elite passing defense uh, a couple years ago. And the defense went four and one straight up in those matchups, three and two against the spread. And that Super Bowl was the culmination. Uh, that was obviously a, a win against the spread and straight up by Denver. There were no such matchups in last year's playoffs, but this year, again, it's been five, and this is going to make six matchups of elite passing offenses versus elite passing defenses. This year, it's a clean sweep straight up, 5-0 and oh, for the defense. There was a push because of the Vikings being a five-point favorite over the Saints in that incredible, miraculous comeback victory, which you could say that's a fluke, but hey, a victory is a victory. Uh, so five and zero straight up for the defenses, and four uh, four zero and one against the spread, and this will be game number six. So the the trends definitely are right now for the passing defenses to dominate over the passing offenses, and that's interesting to me because it, it shows what the I guess the Giants were showing us against Tom Brady and, and the Patriots a few years ago. Hey, whatever high flying firework offense you you got if you bust them in the fucking mouth if you do what you got to do on defense you're going to get it done that's what's most important so throw all the the matchups out throw all the the, the running game versus the the passing game and then all of that it's all about the offense of new england and how great it has been but it's going against a passing defense that can actually get a get get in their face and, and and put Tom Brady on the ground and get up in them and, and do what they got to do. Uh, the, the the Eagles defense, it's not the Giants, but they're close. The uh, Pro Football Focus podcast are giving me some stats. They're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles got forty one percent quarterback pressures this year uh, and thirty eight percent without blitzing, which was best in the league. Uh, that Giants team, those two Giants teams, and those two Super Bowls that the Patriots lost, they got 43% pressure on, on Tom Brady's dropbacks. 43% of the time they got pressure on Tom Brady. So the Eagles are pretty damn close to that. Uh, I'm taking the Eagles to win the game. I, I don't think the Patriots should have been here. I think their defense is, is going to get not lit up by Nick Foles, but I think he's going to do enough to, to win that game. Uh, and the defense will take it from there because that's the trend. It has been the trend. I got Philadelphia 30 over the New England Patriots 21. I'll take Philly straight up. Wow. I, I like it. I hope it's enough to make me decide tomorrow that I want to watch the game. Uh, we're about to head into the after show here where we'll give our X factors. That's right. But I would play us out, but of course... 
Hey, now the board wants to work. Oh, uh, of course it does. In much less detail, that blogspot.com for our picks and right here in much less detail blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail that's where you have listened to us live our after show is coming up when we come back all right into our vip after show program where jason will now tell us who his x factor is for the game yeah, I didn't go super deep cut here because I, I didn't think it was warranted. I, I'm not going to try to be the smartest guy in the room. So I'm going with a, a guy who would normally be considered for our uses, maybe not necessarily an X factor, but in the service of this game, uh, I'm going with a guy I think could be a tremendous boom or bust type player for the outcome, meaning, you know, it, it, it a positive outcome for the team if they win, negative outcome for that team if they lose. I'm actually going to go with LeGarrett Blunt. I believe that we talked about this when the trade was made for Jay Ajayi. Um, I firmly believe that it was to keep LeGarrett Blunt fresh for this game. For a moment like this, going into the playoffs, they really needed to get the hammer and keep that hammer ready. And he hasn't really needed to be used or leaned upon too much here so far. There's going to come that moment when the Eagles are going to need to get a third and one or a fourth and one or a goal line push, and they're going to need the hammer. And I think LeGarrette Blunt can go a long way. He could end up having a very Jerome Bettis type of game. Who knows? You could have six carries for eight yards, but if he has six carries for eight yards and three touchdowns, that's an X factor. Sure is. The former Patriot. And exactly, getting a little, exacting a little revenge on the on, on on his old team as well. My X factor is I'm gonna it's my guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna injure myself, get nine one one ready to dial in case I, I hurt myself trying to pronounce his name. But but here we go. Halapulivati Vaitai. I think that's how you pronounce. <laughs> if I butchered your name, dude, I. I apologize. My guys, my former name of the year, he's he's the man. Uh came came out of the shoot uh in his NFL career terrible as a pass blocker. Uh but the Eagles gave him another shot anyway and, and kept him around and now he's had to take over for the injured uh, Jason Peters at left tackle and I thought he was going to maybe get eaten up by uh, the Atlanta Falcons Adrian Claiborne. Uh, in divisional round weekend, and he played well. He played well uh, in the run game and also in pass protection. Then uh, in the conference finals, plays well against Minnesota's uh, Everson Griffin. So the the tests just get bigger and better, and now he gets to draw Trey Flowers. And Trey Flowers has 12 pressures in the playoffs this year, and that's second most in the entire league. That's another uh, pro football focus stat that I found that, that now I'm Chris Collins where now I'm getting paid by him. No, I'm actually not being compensated in any way. Trust me. They don't know who I am at, at PFF. I just uh, admire their, their stat keeping uh, uh, services. 
But yeah, it just gets worse and worse from Claiborne to Griffin. Now Flowers has been so hot and it really is to me all about if Vitae can protect and keep Nick Foles clean, because if he doesn't, it really does change the entire complexity of the game to me. If the Patriots start getting pressure and, and bouncing him around back there in the pocket and making him sort of panic and, and not play as poised and, and as steady as he has played so far in, his, in these playoffs, it really changes the entire thing. So uh, to me, that's the biggest X factor is Mr. Vitae. Yeah. It, it, I'm trying to get excited. So we will <laughs> – We'll see. You know, this is only being played about three hours from here. Um, I, I, I know people, or I know people who know people who are, are going to the game. So that's how close this is. Um, in the snowstorm. In this, well, the snowstorm is over in Minneapolis now, but it snowed a good, it snowed a okay. good bit there today. Uh, the snowstorm here should be over. I mean, it was still going when I got home, but it was looked like you know you looked at the radar that it was going to move out. Uh, sometime here in the late evening, early morning hours to be clear for tomorrow. So they should be fairly weather-free, bad weather-free tomorrow for the game. And if there's, if you're going to have a snowstorm in a city that the next day has to host the Super Bowl, have it be Minnesota. They can handle it. They've been through this before. Yeah, yeah Houston. Better than you know, Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. If you get six inches, actually, you don't even have to get six inches. You get a half an inch of snow come through Atlanta oh, gridlock. Yeah. Complete. Yeah. I've been in this. I remember going to Minneapolis. Oh boy. About five years ago, my daughter was little and we went over there and it was winter. We decided we were going to just drive over there and go do some shopping and just take a weekend and go away. And, uh, we're driving to the cities and on the radio, they announce some light snow showers are going to be around in the area that night and you could wake up in the morning because we're, we're driving and the snow hadn't started. And they said, well, you wake up in the morning in the cities and you, you, you might be looking at one to three inches of snow. We woke up to 18 inches of snow. Oh yeah. That, and I'll tell you what, that city, nothing. It just took it like nothing. We were still able to get up, get out of the parking lot, drive to breakfast, drive back, go shopping. And we were not stopped by 18 inches of snow. That's how good the snow removal and, and all of the, the streets and how well they take, because that's what they live. They, that's what they, that's the way of life. They expect and, you know, winter brings yeah. snow. <laughs> yeah. Chicago, same thing. Like you knew that in Chicago, like all the artery streets, all the main blocks, all the main streets were all going to be taken care of in a snowstorm. They may eventually get to your side street that you lived on within a few days, maybe eventually, but in general, all the main streets were always plowed. Chicago knew how to handle a snowstorm. Minneapolis, I will say handled it. And I, I was completely impressed by the fact that we woke up to 18 inches of snow and were able to, other than brushing off the car and getting out of the parking lot at the hotel, which was also plowed, that we were, it did not stop us from doing anything. We didn't go, now we didn't go anywhere as fast as we wanted to go. Things were still slow, but you got there. And it was just another day in Minneapolis. 
So getting a little bit of snow coming through the day before the Super Bowl, if there's a city that's equipped for it, it, it it's Minneapolis. So I think it's going to be a good show from that standpoint. Looks like a beautiful stadium, by the way, too. Oh, it, well, it better be for all the money. But, yeah, yeah, it does look uh, fabulous on TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, here in, in, in Memphis, where I live, we had our winter experience uh, several weeks ago with the – uh, the onslaught of some snow and ice, and, and then basically the city shut down for an entire week. And my yeah. my wife didn't have to go to didn't have to go to work. Um, it was uh, you, you would think it was you know <laughs> minus twenty and, and just everything iced over, but it, it really wasn't. It was you know twenty degrees and and and, and it snowed. It happened to snow the night before. How many inches? I don't know. It wasn't like you know you could take out a ruler and measure it. But it was enough to make the city just basically lose its mind, and and everything just shut down. And so uh, the funniest part about that is that me being a Chicago guy for 35 years, I never owned a car. I, I didn't drive. I never had to learn how to drive and that stuff. So it, it, as as much as I wanted to make fun of everybody else, they at least they had some experience. It, it may have been like 10, 15 years ago. I, I was standing in line at. at at a restaurant and they were literally talking about man you remember the last time it snowed like this it was about 10 12 years ago <laughs> and they were reminiscing about the, the yeah. last big winter storm that they had but at least they had that experience at least they had something i didn't have any experience driving in in, in this stuff so uh i i wasn't uh very smart about it i was kind of slipping around and, and sliding around out there on the uh on the expressway um, at one point, uh, I, of course, they hadn't iced, uh, you know, they hadn't salted anything over because they basically don't have salt down here. Uh, there's a lot of sand. There's still a lot of sand on the on the ground even weeks later from from all the all the sanding that they were trying to do because they don't have uh, salt to, to de-ice everything. Um, at one point on the expressway, I found myself passing somebody on the left, thinking I was in the passing lane. I was actually on the shoulder and had no idea. Oh, nice. How much snow that was out there. And so I'm very lucky I didn't go sliding all the way into the uh, into the barricade. And then once I made it to work uh, on on that particular morning, I, I kind of went a little fast into the turn to get into my job and, and wound up slamming into the curb and uh, bumped my head. But uh, thankfully, everything turned out OK with that. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't have that experience of, of learning how to drive like a normal person on that stuff. So I was a little out of control. But hey, you, you live and learn, I guess. OK. Yeah. I mean, and especially if you if you're not used to it, then you get that everywhere where even if it's even if you have like around here everybody's used to driving in the snow, but it's like the first time you get it every year, everybody forgets. It's like, they have to kind of like relearn again. Right. How to do it. You know, it's like the first night we had a snow, a bit of an ice and snow event here, uh, probably back November time. You know, I watched an accident happen right in front of me because the guy's just driving too fast and he hits a slick bridge and completely oh, spins yeah. out and, and slams the guardrail. You remember me talking about that. So, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's just, you just gotta, you know, just ease it back a little bit, you know, keep more distance between you and the car in front of you, just be smart about things and you'll be fine. You'll get there. Yeah. I was so happy to get off the expressway and make my way to work. And I was driving a little too. I was, I was like, yeah, I made it. I'm on my way to work. Ah, I'm right. And I want to point 
way too fast. And when, when I made that right turn and I started sliding in and couldn't stop and was seeing the curb come out. I'm like, before I hit the curb, I said out loud, I knew this was going to happen. Boom. And then it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it the whole way and I was just shaking my head like, you know, I, I, I fucking knew I was going to do that. So yeah, that, that was my winter driving experience. And so if it happens, if we get snow and ice again this year, then I'll, I'm sure I'll be much more cautious and we'll learn. But like you were saying, by the time next winter comes around, I may have forgotten that yep. I might be too fast. You and everybody else. It's almost never you you have to worry about. That's what I've always found. It's the other people that you have to watch out for. Yeah. You can always oh, be, you know, somebody can be counted on to drive safe. Doesn't mean everybody else can be counted on to drive safe. So a few interesting uh, Super Bowl tidbits here as we, you know, uh, as I was talking about some things when I was making my pick. So uh, while you were making your pick, I did go through here. And uh, so I can shit on the Patriots a little bit more. Um, All right. The Brady-Belichick Patriots, by the way, lost their two Super Bowls by seven points, making them plus 12 instead of plus 13. Oh. I overestimated. So in seven Super Bowls, the Patriots are plus 12. That's just... I don't care. Tommy's a god. I'm just saying, okay, just for the sake of argument, if you and I were talking about a team in week seven of the NFL season that was five and two with a plus 12, what would we say about that team? Um, they're due to have a correction. Yeah. They are not that good. They're, they are not that good. That's exactly what we would say. So uh, I also went through and looked. We've had 51 Super Bowls. How many Super Bowls, just quickly here, do you think out of those 51 have been where one team, one team won by 19 or more points? And a rash of them in the 80s when uh, Joe Montana and, and Steve Young were dominating yeah, everybody. I, I, I'll say it's not some like amazing, crazy high number that you might be, but if we, if we went to 17, it would be a crazy high number, but we're looking mm. specifically at 19 or more out of 51 or more. I'll go with seven, 14. Ooh. Okay. 14 Super Bowls where one team has beaten the other one by 19 or more points. The Patriots have won five Super Bowls by that total combined. You're just hating on Tommy. I am just going to continue to hate on the Patriots. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you another one here. This one. This one's amazing. Okay, so the Patriots. Five Super Bowl wins are plus 19. What would you say was the point differential, if you had to guess, for Joe Montana's Super Bowl wins? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, 4 and 0. I, so Joe Montana was 4 and 0 in Super Bowls. He only has four wins. I know he won four rings. I just I, I wish I could remember all the scores because I could like nail this because you know obviously I was alive for that and so were you. Um, but off the top of my head, I'm gonna say that they were plus. 
Were they plus 40? So in Joe Montana's four Super Bowl wins, plus 76. Because <laughs> I was I'm counting the one. Six. I'm counting the one that they won against the, the Bengals in the last second to John Taylor. So that was only a four-point right. win. So they, that, they, I'm thinking, it, it, okay, well, here's the best part. 76, they have a win by five and a win by four in that plus 76. <laughs> They then uh, – <laughs> this is just amazing. Yeah, they, the the first one, were... they beat the Bengals they beat the Bengals twice. They beat them 26-21 and 20-16. to They beat the Dolphins 38-16. to That was Dan Marino's one. 55-10. How about that one? 55-10. So Joe Montana, nowhere near being the GOAT, if you talk to anybody. Joe Montana's – Four Super Bowl wins plus seventy six. Yeah, they were. They opened up a can, and they opened an era of opening up a can. Because once they stepped yeah. down, the Cowboys stepped up and opened up a can uh, in their Super Bowl wins. And then Steve Young got back up there and opened up a can on the on the Chargers, and, and maybe the most dominant Super Bowl outside of the yeah. Bears that we've seen. Yeah, our buddy, those, those our buddy three. Troy, our buddy Troy Aikman, three Super Bowl wins, plus sixty-two. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady, five Super Bowl wins, plus nineteen. You, all, uh, I'm just saying, you're making a I'm compelling saying, case you can, for. You can't, you can't say anything about winning, or you know, you can't take it away. He's won. He's got the five rings. Nobody else has that. But not once, not once, have the New England Patriots dominated anybody. And that's the point. You'd think somewhere, just once, just once, go out and just thrash somebody. No. They haven't done. It's just not in their DNA. Just admit it. That's so your favorite and, system and, quarterback and of all time. And, and they've whipped. They have whipped plenty of people. We've seen the Patriots go out and just destroy people, right? But when the competition is the toughest, they just kind of squeak it out. Just say, uh, just it's not. A, it's not impressive to me. Or if they're playing Eli Manning, they find a way to get beat. They lose twice, yeah. <laughs> I had, uh, uh, you know, Brad Johnson won his a... Super Bowl by twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. And that was the Trent, Trent Dilfer in his by. That was, that was an ass Trent Dilfer too. won his Super Bowl by twenty-seven. Uh huh. Tom Brady's won five Super Bowls by nineteen. Yeah. Um, of course, like that little exercise. Uh, that was fun. The other, yeah. the other note, uh, the other note, uh, bad note for you. This will be the only, uh, the second time ever that a Super Bowl has been played on February the fourth. The first time was Colts Bears back in two thousand and seven. Yeah, that was an ugly one. I mean, but I, I definitely have my piece on on that as a as a Bears fan. First of all, I knew they were going to lose, 
they were playing Peyton yeah, Manning Rex in, Grossman. The, in the Colts. Rex Grossman was starting the Super Bowl <laughs> against Rex Grossman. I mean, against Peyton Manning. However, that was a 12-point win. Tom Brady's going to, like, would beat Nick Foles by three. Just saying. <laughs> you should go out and destroy Rex Grossman. Yes, yes you should. Um, although the David Hester gave him a head start, he gave him a seven nothing lead, and he still managed to lose. <laughs> the, the Bears, the Bears were spotted seven, and still yep. lost the game. Their offense put up ten points. <sighs> offense uh, put that in quotes. Their their offense. Well, yeah, Rex Grossman also, I believe, threw a pick six in that game to uh, Kelvin Hayden. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was then the Bears move. quickly signed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to get this guy. He's really good. No, he's, he's, no, he picked off Rex Grossman. That's all. Yeah. That's, that's all he ask did. Larry, ask Larry Brown how well that worked out. <laughs> the, the very rich Larry Brown. Yeah, just standing uh, there. How is he not in the yep. Hall of Infamy yet? That. I thought he was. He's not. Johnny on the spot. Maybe he is. I, I think it's gotten to the point now where there's so many people in the we, Hall of Infamy. We've got a lot. I of have people to keep in checking. There. I have to keep checking to make sure that I didn't accidentally like go to put somebody in who's already been put in. That's how many people that right. we've inducted into the Hall of Infamy. So, uh, yeah, I've been a lot. Larry Brown, Johnny on the spot. I don't know if he's in yet. They're just standing there. He should be. If he's not, it's a travesty. His claim to fame is just standing there. That's why, literally, Johnny on the spot. The exact same spot. Twice. The Look What I Found Award. (laughs) Look what I found. Hey, look at that. I had tweeted out a uh, covers.com tale of the tape that I, I found interesting. Uh, they took all the stats, uh, the, the stats that I love, the offensive ranking, passing and rushing and total and all of that, uh, scoring, ranking, things of that nature. The the things that strike you, the two things that struck me were, one, how similar each team's numbers were. Uh, again, with that point spread, you would think the Patriots were just – so much more dominant than the Eagles, but at least this season, they were actually pretty uh, close together. And the second thing that has to strike you, as far as I'm concerned, is how terrible New England's defense ranked in yardage. They were 29th in the league in yardage, and how excellent they ranked in defensive points allowed. They were the fifth best team in the NFL in giving up points. I don't know what kind of voodoo Matt Patricia was was wielding over there, but he found a way to get that defense to keep bending and breaking and stretching and giving up yardage, but they uh, they just shut it down when you get down in the scoring position. When you get in the red zone, they don't let you get in the end zone nearly as easily as they let you get the yardage in between the 20s, and that's really the only way the Patriots have made it this far. There's, I, I, I will continue to say this and repeat it. You can call me a hater, too. You just hate Tommy, too. Whatever. Fuck you. There is no reason for this Patriots team to be in the Super Bowl. They're not very good. They're just not. But they, they've survived. They've, they've advanced. They've done what they had to do. But I, I just got to think that it catches up with them finally on this day against 
uh, a coaching staff in uh, Doug Peterson and Frank Reich that have sort of unlocked how to get Nick Foles to play calm and efficient and effectively uh, when it didn't look like there was any way they were going to do that in his handful of starts uh, before the playoffs began. They, they figured it out. They, you got to give them the credit. They somehow went into the lab and figured it out and, and they've got him playing as well as, as he played back in that magical one season that he had under uh, Chip Kelly that everyone keeps referring to when they talk about Nick Foles' career success, which th- that's how limited it is, is just that one year. But uh, also, there's that that strikes me about it, the uh, the fact that the Patriots are sort of bending but don't breaking. There's also, referring back to the last meeting between these two teams that also – influenced the the way that I'm going in this game. Now, this meeting was a while ago, but not too far back that that I wanted to ignore it. I I still wanted to give it some credence, even though it's not necessarily recent. It was uh, week 13 of the 2015 season, so that's a little over two years ago. Uh, There's there's still a lot of the same players on both teams. Uh, That game was the Patriots at 10-1 and at that time, uh, hosting the four and seven Eagles. This is, uh, I believe, uh, Chip Kelly's one and only uh, season. Um, things, as you remember, for the Eagles started out pretty well and then went downhill very quickly. Uh, so New England was a 10-point favorite at home in that game. Uh, and Philadelphia went in there, and not only did they cover the spread, the Eagles won the game. They beat them in Foxborough, 35-28. to 28. And they did not do it with offense because Sam Bradford was a starter and he threw for almost nothing in that game. They did it with defense and special teams. This guy, Malcolm Jenkins, is still around. You may have heard of him. 99-yard pick six in that game. 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. Uh, Someone named Najee Good for the Eagles uh, returned a blocked punt for a touchdown in that game. Tom Brady uh, had a a big game in the air over Sam Bradford, 324 yards for Tom Brady to Bradford's 120. Why did the Eagles win that game anyway? Because Brady threw two INTs and Bradford threw none. And of course, again, the special teams touchdown, the block punt returned for a touchdown. They both ran, both teams ran for about the same amount of yardage. So the, the, the Patriots outgained the Eagles big time in that game. They dominated them on time of possession, uh, 34 minutes to 26, and the and the and the Eagles still won the game because the defense forced Tom Brady into a mistake or two, and they took advantage on special teams. I really think the same thing is going to happen tomorrow. The Eagles will probably not have nearly as many yards as the Patriots, but their defense is good enough to mimic the New York Giants defense that went 2-0 against Tom Brady and the Patriots and forced Brady into just enough mistakes to to give up the, the spread and, as far as I'm concerned, the game as well. So it's not just uh, eagle-loving, underdog eagle-loving. I don't really care about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not Patriot hating because I actually don't hate the Patriots. I actually respect what they've done a little more than my co-hosts. Not a whole lot more, but a little more. But I really do think it's it's about the matchups, it's about the styles of play, and it's about the team that has has shown that they can be poised and, and stay steady and do what they have to do to win. And, and 
as much as the Patriots have done that over the years, the Eagles right now are the team that that's poised to do that. And and they just have the right style. Like we, we thought Atlanta had the right style of defense uh, to, to take the title, to take the crown last year. And through two and a half quarters, it looked like they did. We thought the Jaguars had the right defense, the right style to take the crown. And through two and a half quarters, it looked like they did. Uh, so teams have, have got the blueprint. They, they know what to do. They know how to beat the Patriots. It's just which team can put it together for four quarters, not two and a half, and go all the way and finish it off. And, and I just got a feeling that the Eagles are going to be that team to do that. You know, and one area where, you know, you said that you're a little surprised that the Patriots are in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl. I yeah. can honestly say I'm disappointed that they're there but I'm not surprised. And the reason is I know we talked about this. uh, We started getting into that week 16, week 17, a lot of the discussions that we were having, even as we're getting into wildcard weekend, what we were looking at was a clearly dominant NFC field and an extremely weak AFC field. I mean, the AFC field, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Jaguars, and the Steelers, not exactly a murderer's row of this year's NFL for a team that was going to have to try to go into Foxborough and knock off the number one team. The Jaguars tried. I mean, the Jaguars suffered the same fate that the Texans suffered the year before. They had the defensive willpower and and the manhandling of both sides of the line of scrimmage, they lacked the the quarterback. They lacked the ability to just go out and just keep putting up the points. And, you know, between Blake Bortles and Brock Osweiler, that's why those teams just couldn't sustain that effort. But there just wasn't the depth. That's just not the depth of the field in the AFC where the NFC you had the Saints, the Vikings, the Falcons, the Eagles, (laughs) um, you know, who am I missing here? But, the, you know, the Rams. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. solid top to bottom in the NFC where any one of those six teams you could have made a case for could have gone to the Super Bowl. I mean, the, the Falcons came a ball that went through Julio Jones's hands away from advancing to play the Vikings. Uh, and who knows what would have happened or after that. You had the Saints sure. who had to lose on a miracle catch who you could have just as easily have seen in this game as the Eagles. So there was there was a depth to the NFC that the AFC just lacked. You know, we talked about the flaws of all those, the, the Steelers. We talked about the Steelers team. The, the team that was clear, like I said, that article that I read about the Steelers was just mind-blowing when I was like, you know, that really makes sense about the – the Steelers were so obsessed with beating New England that that's all they focused on and forgot about beating everybody else. Sure. You know, so it, it's not shocking to me that the Patriots are here because they didn't have a tough draw. You know, the field just wasn't as strong. The Patriots were playing in that NFC field. They wouldn't be in the Super Bowl. You're probably right about that. But here's why I was surprised still. It's because – if you remember back to opening night when the Patriots wound up losing to the Chiefs and oh, certain really certain really stupid talking heads were, were talking about 16-0 and 0 and how the Patriots were just <laughs> so dominant and, and 
<laughs> now we laughed we like just, hell yeah. at that at the time. Yeah, it was but, dumb. It was dumb then, the of, and it still sounds dumb now. By the end of the night, the defense looked like it was so raggedy and and so out of sorts that okay, obviously they weren't, they're not going to be undefeated. They looked like they had a defense that wasn't going to let them have much of any kind of success, and that didn't change in the next three, four games or so. I had not seen a, a championship caliber team with a defense that bad that first month of football. It wasn't just opening night. It was the fact that they went on from there to continue to get embarrassed, whether it was the Houston Texans or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whoever wanted to come in and, and, and push around the Patriots defense. They did it. Whoever wanted to was able to do that. And, and so that's why I'm surprised. I haven't seen a defense – play that badly and the team overcome it anyway and, and make the Super Bowl in quite a long time. And that's why I'm surprised. It's just, it just did not look like a championship caliber team to me this year. Yeah. And you know, and again, watching that AFC championship game and just watching the Jaguars completely turtle in the second half and lose any semblance of creativity their play calling, it was like, you know, they they played scared. They had the lead and they were going to do anything that they could to just desperately cling to that lead. And then when you do that, invariably you, you lose. And I know you said that even though it was the biggest blown lead in history, you admired the way that the Falcons went down because they were trying to win the game. Going out the way that they got in there. Go for it. Right. They, they 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 were you know where maybe maybe with a certain amount of time left to go in the game maybe turtling would have been a better move but we could never <laughs> go back on that you know you can't you're not gonna if we're gonna fault one team for doing it I won't fault the other they they were definitely going for it they were trying to at least go out and win the game the Jaguars didn't look like a team that was trying to win the game they looked like a team that was trying not to lose a game and they lost the game yeah we didn't break those playoff games down those conference title games down too much last week as we were doing our our champ or our our awards show our honors and dishonors but yeah that was like red highlighter check mark uh big blinking danger sign when you got 55 seconds to go in the first half and the jaguars have the ball and They they choose to take a knee yeah. Because they don't trust Blake Bortles to pull off any kind of effort to get, you know, 40, 50 yards downfield in the field goal range in 55 seconds against the Patriots defense, which will give you yardage between the 20s, which is what which is what I've been talking about all this time is how, how bad they've been uh, on defense. If you can't trust your quarterback in that situation, it's like, dude. So that was like big blinking, flashing red light. To, to I'm sitting there going, this is not how you win a, a conference side. This is not how you beat the Patriots by taking a knee and going into halftime with 55 seconds left. You you got to take some kind of shot here. You got to go for something. And they didn't. And they played just like that in the second half as well. Also scared to death uh, to let Blake Bortles take a long shot. Uh, there was some drive, I, I think maybe the drive after the Patriots took the lead where the Jaguars uh, wound up getting backed up and maybe due to a sack. 
So they had third and 19 at one point, the Jaguars did, and Bortles threw a five-yard pass. And I'm like, okay, so this is over. You, you, if you have third and 19 and you're already, your back's against the wall, and you're going to throw a five-yard check down, like, what, why, why are you out yeah. there? You can, you can, you can have a seat you know at that point. Throw a pick. Throw a 40-yard bomb that gets picked. At least you're trying. And you might even draw a P.I. like Tom Brady does. Yeah, actually, throw up a really badly thrown ball. That's all Tom <laughs> Brady does. That first pass interference that they got against Jacksonville, the ball wasn't even – the ball was not catchable by any stretch. And the, no, the receiver had all – and it was – and even at the halftime, I think it was Boomer Esiason or whoever it was in the in the studio, just came right out and said it was a bad call. It was a horrible call. But it was an absolutely hideous, horrendous call, but it gave the Patriots all the momentum in the world because it was a 40-some-yard penalty that they didn't deserve. They just gave them the ball inside the 20-yard line. Here you go, guys. Have the ball inside the 20. You haven't done anything to deserve it. You've had no momentum. You've been completely dominated. It's a 14-0 game. Your offense has been inept. But we're just going to kickstart your offense for you, because here you go. Here's a free. Here's a here's a free set of downs inside your opponent's twenty yard line. That's what it was. That was the that was the first snap that the Patriots ran after Rob Gronkowski got jacked yeah. up by Barry Church and knocked out of the game. And you immediately go from sort of a, a panicked feeling if you're a Patriots fan of oh shit we lost Gronk and we're already losing and Brady's already getting his ass kicked back there in the pocket. What's going to happen to oh. We can get 40 yards anytime we want from bad penalty flags and bad PI. Okay, we're still yeah. good. We're all good. Yeah. And then once we score and, and Blake Bortles and, and the Jaguars are going to take a knee with 55 seconds left and not try to answer the score. Oh, yeah. yeah everything we got from that moment, everything from that moment, it went all the Patriots' way. The ja- I mean, we up until this. that we're point of the game, yeah. Up until that point of the game, I think the, Jag- the Jaguars had completely dominated. Both lines, both sides of the line of scrimmage, they were living in Tom Brady's lap. They were getting the push on the offense. They, they, they were, you know, and that's what that they needed that for a young team to have that confidence. They did not look scared of being in Foxborough, and then all of a sudden, Patriots score a cheap touchdown that they probably didn't deserve, and it's fourteen seven game. And then all of a sudden, whoop whoop, fingers got tight, and everything went to hell for the Jaguars after that, and it was over. I knew that. I turned that game off. <laughs> two three minutes into the fourth quarter i didn't even stick around to watch the patriots take the lead it was like oh they're gonna lose i mean the jaguars are gonna lose this game's over you could just feel like every time the jaguars got the ball back and they did a one yard run on first down it was just gonna be over yeah i watched i was astonished my mouth was open the whole time i was like how can this team that looked so great for two and a half quarters look this shitty all of a sudden, it's, oh, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And the, and the Patriots just at the end they do it again. There, there they are, with the top, with the top, with the trophy, with the AFC title that Bill Belichick couldn't pass off any faster if it was a hot potato because he just doesn't care about that. He only cares about the Super Bowl. And I'm yeah. just thinking, you fuckers are so lucky to be here and probably don't even re- realize it. But but here you are because there's. The Jaguars are such the better team. There's, there's, they did not have any reason to lose that game, but but there they were. So, 
Here the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, even though I don't think they really deserve to be here. That, that that's got to catch so, up with them. But that, so that would actually mean that the in your stats that the uh, the team with the elite pass defense was actually four and one because they did lose the Jaguars. Were you giving the Jaguars uh, credit for a win? Uh, let's see here. Um, I know they covered, so they did win on the the point total and the point spread. Okay, they covered yep. the the number, but yeah. So so the, they're they're perfect. They're almost worth four zero and one against the spread, but four right. and one straight up. Four and one with, straight up. Yep, you're right. Yeah. And, yeah, and the Jaguars would be the, the outlier there. I I, I picked up on yeah, that while right. you were reading through it, but um, but again. If you had paid just, if you had just strictly watched the first half of that game, you would have been like, "Well, Jaguars <laughs> kill these guys." Jaguars should have won. That's what I was getting confused on. Huh? Yeah, yeah, they should should have. Yeah, no. Um, so Philadelphia's D uh, over Atlanta's O, uh, elite passing offense. Uh, so that's yep. one. Jacksonville was a seven-point dog against Pittsburgh's offense, and of course the Jaguars won that game. Minnesota's D uh, was five-point favorites over New Orleans' offense, and that wound up being a push, of course. Uh, Jacksonville's D was seven-and-a-half-point dogs and lost the game straight up, but covered. And then Philadelphia's D against Minnesota's, that was an elite passing offense, believe it or not. it didn't look like it in that conference title game uh, at all, no. but uh, that's uh, the part of the defense being dominant. Uh, as like I said, that trend that has been going on for a couple couple years now. And that was a game that we didn't talk about at all. I don't even know if it's worth talking about that Minnesota Philly game because that thing was just that was just over. It was just a blowout. I the Vikings what, just love getting blown out in NFC title games. Was, was that the Giants that did yeah. that to them the one time, forty-four to nothing? I believe it was. Yeah, because I What's remember with the that Vikings. I, you picked the Vikings. Yeah, well, I it was a little karma because I picked the Vikings too, but it didn't matter. It really didn't matter what I picked because you won your two games. You did what you had to do. That's, that's what I did. I finally listened to my stats and went with the defense. Yeah. Yeah, actually not going with your stats puts you in peril. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Early in the playoffs, you picked completely against your numbers that you spent all that time talking about, and then you right. picked against it. Like, oh, I, I love all these offenses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love this system, and I'm going to go one and three wild card weekend, just not <laughs> listening to my stats. I love the Steelers' offense over Jacksonville. I think Jags need to be taught a lesson. In I love the Saints' offense over Minnesota. I think Drew Brees is, is ready to make a run at another title. Yeah, I, uh, well, I'd live and learn. So you you know you get to the title game, and you're like, you know what? I've seen enough. I've got now. I've realized that this data is supporting the position that I should have had all along. And you stuck yes. to your dad. You're sticking with it for the Super Bowl. So I'll give you credit. Going all in with it. Going all the way. I, I, I and I'd love nothing more for you to be right, but you just know you got to have that deep down in your stomach feeling, just knowing that something weird is going to go New England's way, right? Usually does. Uh, 
Then this would I, be, I was going to say, this would be the perfect moment for what is a catch to rear its ugly head. Oh, no. Please don't. Please. Please. El, please El, Alberto Riverone is going to determine the winner of the Super Bowl. Al, Alberto Riveron have anything to do with the outcome of this game. Please. Please. Yeah. It's going <sighs> to happen. Oh. Apparently it was scary been... enough. I do. I did see a, an article this week about Roger Goodell um, being questioned about this, expressing his grave concerns about the sort of nebulous "what is a catch" thing going on in the NFL right now. And he said that it needs to, it needs clarity. No, really? No kidding. Now, unfortunately, <sighs> he's not the man to give clarity on anything. So, I think he's proven no. that over the years that he's. He's the man to stand there with his with his arms out, almost like Bud Selig, when it comes time to make a tough decision. Like, I I don't know what to do. I, They're out of players. It's a tie. I, and, then, and then next year, and then next year, the Super Bowl's theme will be "This time it counts." Oh, lovely! The team that wins the Pro Bowl gets home field for the for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God! I honestly. So, yeah. I would much rather see the Super Bowl played with a true home field advantage than on a neutral site. That's just me. No, I understand the, uh, the 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 desire to see that. I think that'd be fun. I, I, I honestly, if if you play all year to get the best record, you should be able to hold the title the game. Of it. Exactly. Well, I understand in like other sports you're sports. doing it in in seven game series and you're doing it that way, but yeah, the whole neutral site thing I've never really been never been all that big of a fan of because part of what gets a team to that promised land or earns them home field advantage could be a weather factor or a crowd factor, and it's just not there in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you bring up. Uh... By bringing that topic up, I think you kind of put a spotlight on what the Super Bowl is. It's not about the competitive. It's not about the teams anymore. No. Once it it's gets to the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? It's not about the it's football at that yeah. point. Yeah, it's, it's a spectacle. The, I get it. Yeah, the company weekend that is the Super Bowl weekend, and that's all it is really at this point. So yeah, it's a big. I mean, I, how many years, especially we were talking about it earlier in the show with all the blowouts that we grew up with in the 80s, how many years were we convinced that we've always talked about, we haven't really talked about it on the show because we've had some more competitive Super Bowls, but that we actually preferred the championship weekend to Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, I think we're not alone there either. I think a lot of people call those conference title games like the best weekend of football with those two games with yeah. all the marbles with actual home field advantages and, and actual crowds uh, influencing what's happening. Uh, I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, you think about it because you have your conference championship, both teams still get a trophy, both teams still still raise a banner or get a banner for something like that. You know, so yes, they both advance to the Super Bowl, and there, there's no shame in in losing you know getting to the the best game. I mean, we you know there's no in the uh, you know the college championship. There's no shame in losing you know for for the team that lost or for anything. There's no getting to the World Series or the NBA Finals. 
history will always look more fondly on the loser in, in the long run because they'll still go, well, yeah, you got there. You know, the, I don't think right. the Buffalo Bills are quite the punchline anymore as they were when it was happening. Like, oh, ha, ha, you guys lost again. Now people are going to look back and go, you know, getting to the Super Bowl four years in a row, even though you lost, pretty, pretty big accomplishment. Pretty hard to do. Exactly. It's not about laughing at the losses that they were racking up. Now, the the people that didn't live through that now, the, the younger generation didn't weren't weren't around for that so now they just look back and go damn they made four super bowls in a row right and good. you're looking at those teams that are just stacked with hall of famers <laughs> you know and, right. and you go back and you look at those teams and go yeah those teams were pretty good speaking of we got 12 minutes uh here left to go uh super bowl uh not, i mean hall of fame came out today i don't know if you saw that i did that was the one of the the very few bits of news, uh, pro football wise, that I got um, was seeing that the the Hall of Fame class came out, and I don't know, did you, did you have any thoughts on? Because uh, you know, now we're at the point where the the Hofers now are are people that we've all got, you know, a lot of memories of. <laughs> yeah, but at this age and at this point with all the drama and all the back and forth throughout the years of who's a hall of famer, who's not, I've actually lost the, the interest in the actual hall of fame. It's like, okay, Brian Urlacher's a hall of famer. Well, duh. Yeah. I mean, if you watched him, you already knew yeah. that you really didn't need this announcement to reinforce that. Terrell Owens is all up. Duh. Yeah. One of the Randy greatest Moss of all time. Finally is a hall <laughs> really? of famer. Really? You don't say. But I will say, after having just gone through this with baseball, where it's so political and, and stupid, the Baseball Hall of Fame, I think, by far, with the air of sort of like this elite air that all these writers have, and you know, nobody can get a unanimous ballot, blah, 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 the first time. Football is just like, hey, you're in. You know, eight to- eight guys this time get in um, to the football and you got seven guys I've heard of. And one guy to who it's always one of the, those veteran guys, even the other veteran guy, Jerry Kramer, because I live in Wisconsin. I know who he is. I've heard of him before because he's always one of the guys who even in the years before I lived in Wisconsin was always talked about as one of those sort of like, they can't believe he's not in kind of guys, you know, like Ron Santo was for a little years in Chicago, where it's got to be a veterans committee type thing. Jerry Kramer was always kind of that guy. Now he gets his turn and now he's a hall of fame. doesn't matter if you get in, you're in, you're in, you're all a famer. Uh, but it's always interesting because you go back and you look and you see the Urlacher and Ray, Ray Lewis. And it's just interesting seeing that the, 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 all these guys ended up finally, you know, a lot of these guys are in the hall and, It's a solid class, I'll say that. Yeah, if I were a teen and I'm remembering how great Erlacher and Ray Lewis were two of the greatest linebackers of all time that you saw if you were a kid, and then Terrell Owens and Randy Moss, two of the greatest receivers you ever saw. Yeah, if I were a kid, I absolutely would be excited about the announcement of them uh, as Hall of Famers. But uh, as an adult, knowing all the, like you said, the politics and the drama that goes behind it, it's like, eh, yeah, yeah I, I remember them. They were great, and they they really don't need the HOF to say that they were great. It, it's good that they no. did that for them, because now they get to get more money for, for autographs. So yay for them. But 
other than that, I, I kind of already knew they were great players before uh, before today. And then the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, we didn't talk about at all, because that one to me is a total joke. But the one thing I will say is, because um, Jim Tomey got in. Yeah. I was stunned. He's been out of baseball five years. Didn't he just leave? Is this how old we've become? The dudes are getting in the Hall of Fame that you're thinking like just played like a year or two ago. Like, wait, Jim told me. How did he get in? Did he get like special exemption? He hasn't been out of baseball that long, has he? It's crazy. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we are that old. That time does oh, kind of go. It's accelerated like that. I, uh, uh, Chipper Jones being out of baseball for Chipper five years is a little Jones. surprising. Yeah, your, your favorite guy. That's a little surprising, too. It feels, it feels like he was just playing a couple of years ago, too. With Chipper, it felt less recent. It it, I mean, it felt like it was a while, but I swear Tommy was playing just like two years ago. <laughs> That's just, yeah, it's it's just me. Time, time is speeding up for for all of us. Time waits for no man. But watching, watching MLB Network a lot, you know, because of all the the, the stuff with, uh, you know, camps are going to be breaking here soon for uh, you know spring training and uh, no the the cold stove season is still cold. All these players, all these top players, who just won't budge or teams won't budge and give contracts. So get a lot of big name guys, big impact guys that aren't going anywhere. So the result, but so they filled a lot of that with hall of fame talk at the baseball. One is so intolerable. It really where, is. Where, where it's gotta be metrics and comps. Look, it's called the hall of fame, right? It's not called the hall of who had the highest war over a certain period. And uh, this is where the stat geeks are ruining things. Because they'll try to make the case that everybody deserves to be in, or some guys who are in shouldn't be in just because it's all, it's not just all boiled down to statistics. Well, well, where I'll disagree is that you turn around and you talk about all of this war and who was the metrically the best. And then you look at two of by whatever metric you want to bring out uh, three, if you count P Rose, but uh, three of the greatest baseball players you could ever imagine. And they're not in the hall of fame. And uh, until maybe uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, (laughs) how are there? Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, are those the three? Did I nail them? McGuire wasn't even all that great. I'm a fan of I, – I love watching Big Mac bash him. He wasn't even all that great. Pete Rose is not in the Hall. Pete Rose. Rose how are their wars? That is insane. That is insane. I don't care what he did. Put, his, put it on the plaque. Just put it on there. Be honest about it. The you don't – Number one hits leader of all time – Maybe the best slugger of all time and one yeah. of the best right-handed pitchers of all time. Not in the Hall right. of Fame. Not in the Hall of, Fame. Hall of Fame. Yeah, pretty much. Because, well, it's the writers. The writer, oh, no, we're not putting in the steroid guy, but how do you know? And that's what I'm saying about the stat guys. Is it's all about war, except when you get to the obvious best war guys you could possibly come up with, like Bonds and Clemens. 
Then it's yeah, not about or war. Or Rose. <laughs> right, yeah. Then it's not about war. Now it's not about stuff. Yeah. Now it's now about, well, they juiced. But yeah, but wasn't everybody juicing in the 90s? And in, in the early 2000s? Or gambling. Now it's about the, the high character that we have to... The, what, what, fuck the high character, man. Come on. When you yeah. talk about some of the biggest assholes you could ever come across are in the Hall of Fame. So it's not about character. It's really not. It's about who you like and who you don't. And that's all it comes down yeah, to. Who was who, who a good interview? And not, you know, and then you got a guy who's given you a, 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 an easy reason that you think to keep him out. Now you're just doing it because he was a douche. Because he wasn't good to the media. Right. I mean, even Rafael so, Palmero, I mean, that. Him not getting in uh, broke a long string of 500-plus home run guys who aren't going to yeah. be in. Even him. I, you know, not even the biggest Palmero <laughs> fan, but shut up with your war. When yeah. You come, you come across the steroid guys, and all of a sudden you, you lose your war. What, what happened to the war? It, it disappeared. I don't know. It just it, – it, I, never, I can't find I never, the war anymore. I never thought when I was watching Rafael Palmero play that I was watching a Hall of Famer. I didn't either, but then he got to the 500 homers. Like, oh wow, okay, oh okay. All yeah, right. that's like an automatic entry, apparently. You know, but that's fine. Pretty that's much. Fine. Yeah. He's not in because of the Bill Clinton finger wag. That's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. I have never taken steroids ever. Yeah. Okay, Rafi. Yeah, and then you and then you get popped. And then you failed the test. That made it even worse. Uh, like yeah, the 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 war thing and then the the best of all time aren't going to get in because of the moral stuff and Manny Ramirez is going to be on that list when he gets eligible. He's one of the most dangerous sluggers I ever saw. And yeah, one of the so best right-handed hitters uh, of that I've ever seen. Right. So that's why I say I don't really care too much about the Hall of Fame because I don't need the Hall of Fame to tell me that Manny Ramirez was great or. Barry Bonds right. or Roger Clemens or Brian Urlacher or Ray Lewis because I watched them and I know what great is when I watch it and they were great. You're almost also describing. You're almost also describing my complete. And I don't know where I've done this 180 over the last couple of years on award shows. I have zero interest now in award shows. Other than ours, of course. Uh, I have, but I have zero interest in the Grammys. I have zero interest in, you know, I had said the Oscars, anything where it's just the industry congratulating itself. I have no, I, I've right. just lost all interest in it. it. It's so fake. I think it's gotten more over the top as we gotten older. I, 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 we we are getting older and more crotchety, but I yeah. think it's also the uh, the nature of the show. Because when Michael Jackson was moonwalking across the stage and getting all the Grammys and stuff, that was actually exciting because it was a talent, right. you know, doing what he was he's supposed to be doing. It doesn't seem to be about the talents anymore. It seems to be about the the messages and the the political stances and uh, let's show everyone that the arts is so important and we're gonna we're gonna do that by congratulating ourselves for three hours that's going to show how yeah. important the arts is we're really. gonna get a, we're gonna get a bunch of millionaires and multi-millionaires all stand up on the stage and pretend they care about the oppressed people in the country they don't and that's going to somehow Seriously. save the Jeez. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.